Hi, welcome back to the Florida Travel Fanatics Podcast. I'm Clark. I'm Heather. This is episode six. This episode, we're going to give you some tips and tricks, tips and tricks for saving money on your next Florida vacation. I had a conversation with one of our listeners recently, and they suggested, hey, tell us how to save money. Vacation's expensive. So we're doing this episode about how to do that. Uh, with some ideas about saving money. For most of us, budget is the big factor for our vacation, but we'll get to that that in a minute. So we've got some latest travel news in Florida. Well, right now, if you're listening, it's Monday, and Tuesday we will broadcast this. We'll post it. Post it, yeah. yeah. And Wednesday we get Hurricane Ian. Ian. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And we had discussed whether or not to travel to Florida during hurricane season well uh, what about our first episode? Our first episode, s- July. Yes. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are in a hurricane. So season. we're batting down the hatches, and we're not coastal. We are inland significantly enough that we don't have to really worry about it. So that's our biggest news right now is that we have a hurricane a big coming. One. Yeah. So it doesn't happen all that often on the West Coast, but really anywhere in we we said this in the first episode, which we got a lot of good feedback on. But any coastal area in the entire United States, you can really, you can get, certainly on the Gulf of Mexico and the eastern seaboard, you can get a pretty strong storm, tropical storm or hurricane. They just had one in Nova Scotia last week, I which is that was Canada. so crazy. Yeah. And they had super storms, super storm Sandy in New York City a few years ago, which wasn't a hurricane, but it was enough of a storm event that it flooded the, the New York City subway. They've had hurricanes in New England. We used to get them in Maryland. The Carolinas get them. Especially in North Carolina. Florida really does get a bad rap for it. Yeah. But here we are, and we're getting one. We're getting one. It's our turn, I guess. But it's October, and hurricane season ends the first week of November. Right. So we've we've fared fairly well. It's been a quiet season, and now we're getting the <laughs> getting it between the eyes. But we've we've been here before. We were here for Irma in 2017. Um, if you were here for vacation right now, you could simply just cross the state. And we said this on that first episode of our podcast. If you you don't have to flee the state. Um, the, you could just go like right now, looking at the weather pattern, you could go across the state in two and a half, three hours, depending on where you are, go to Melbourne, go to the space coast, the treasure coast down to Miami and generally avoid the whole thing. You might get some rain. Um, I mean, of course you could go home if you wanted to, but that for us, if we were on vacation here, we would like, we're just going to go to the other side of the state and make the most of it and all those good things. So, uh, in, in the Tampa area and most of the West coast there, they are doing, uh, for the low lying areas because of storm surge, they're having people evacuate their mandatory and voluntary evacuations, depending on how close to the water you are. But they're also saying that an evacuation doesn't mean leave the state. An evacuation means move 20 miles inland. Exactly. Which could be Lakeland or could be, you know, any any interior city. You can stay there or go to, you know, go to Orlando or something or wherever you want to go to get away. If, if That's if you were down by an area real close to the water. So uh, we make the most of it. We move on. We've got food and water. We're going to get some more wine tomorrow <laughs> and, be, and be prepared to ride it out. The, we, we always prepare uh, with is plan the power is going to be out and you might not have clean water. So have some water, some beverages to drink, and prepare to go without electricity, which happens anywhere in the country. It's not unique to Florida, but that's basically our, our preparation. And some batteries and flashlights and things. I mean, in the Midwest, they're going to get you know major so snowstorms this winter. So this is just our version of the big snowstorm. Big snowstorm, yeah. yeah. Put, put a little extra chlorine in your pool, turn your pump off, all those good things. Exactly. So let's get back to some actual travel news. If you are going to be coming into the Tampa airport, this is really cool. Yes. They're doing these new personal helicopters. They're called... ETALs? 
VTOLs. There's some some word for it. VTOLs. It's like a personal electric helicopter. Yeah, they hold three to eight people. Yeah. And they're going to be unmanned. So it's basically a drone that you fly on. It's your own drone. It's a human drone. But it's more for local travel, like from the Tampa airport down to Clearwater Beach. And the whole idea is that it's going to alleviate some of the traffic in, you know, the more um, congested areas, you know, towards Orlando or towards Clearwater Beach or, def- you know, different places like that. The FAA has not approved those yet. Those are still in, in development, but apparently far enough along that they say it's it's just a matter of time. Till they said 2025. 2025, these things will be, will be real. And the Tampa airport is a very progressive airport. And they're doing studies already on, I'm sure probably other airports are too, but this was in the news, to be prepared for the air traffic, where to put them, all the things that go on, putting a whole new type of aircraft into a major airspace. So, so. if you want to fly into Tampa in 2025... And then you'd like to get on a cruise ship. You could probably end up taking a helicopter down to the cruise ship. That's very likely, especially down down by Sparkman. Which is terrific. So there's also an interesting article in the Miami Herald about um, retirees and remote workers. Now that, you know, the pandemic is over and so many places are, uh, so many businesses are allowing their employees to work remotely. There are people who are actually living on cruise ships full-time as their home. Their home. They might have a, a home base, but people are retiring on cruise ships. They are, like I said, re- working remotely. And they'll just, they consider their stateroom to be their bedroom and the rest of the ship to be their living room. So if you think about it, you have somebody who makes your dinner every night, makes your breakfast every morning, cleans your room. You can go get a drink or a cocktail, see a show. In the evening, you don't even have to get Uber if you want to have a cocktail and go home. So it's yeah. it's kind of an interesting phenomenon that it's about average, about $4,000 a month for a couple to be, uh, and you know, I don't know the particulars of exactly what kind of stateroom and things like that, that they're, that they're in, but it's really an interesting option. And you are seeing the world, one of the scenarios that they talk about is that if you want to buy a really big travel trailer or a camper recreational vehicle, uh, it's an RV Clark. An RV Clark. <laughs> That's a movie. That Clark they right can there. be upwards of between a hundred to three hundred thousand, depending on what you what you get, how long you want to live in it, you know that kind of thing. So that's a lot of money that you could spend cruising all over the world if you if you get your planning correct. So I think that's a really fun article. Um, it was just a couple of days ago in uh, the Miami Herald. One and millennials were, were remote working. They paid an extra th- three or four hundred dollars a month for the high level Wi-Fi. Right, and there's Starlink now. A lot of the um, the ships are have Starlink, so the connectivity is excellent. They're saying, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not, and you know, they work nine to five, and they turn off their you know, their laptop at the end of the day and they go see a show, which I already mentioned, but dinner, you know, food's free, food, everything. So, yeah. uh, you know, health club, all those right. different things. And if you need a massage after a long day at work, you just book one of those. Yeah. And they said too, part of the difference was, you know, when you're on vacation, we all do this, we spend money, you know, you're paying for excursions and all that. And part of that for those folks is that they don't pay for the extras. They just, they get an interior stateroom. Mm-hmm. And what was the phrase they used? The interior stateroom, which has no windows is like the bedroom. Right. 
And then the rest of the ship is your rest of your house, which is the rest of your house. Exactly. Miami beach is banning smoking um, on their beaches. And for us having been to Miami beach several times, we, we always are downwind of someone smoking. It doesn't matter what time of day, a holiday, a regular day. There's just a lot of smoking that goes on in the beaches and the cigarette butts that are left are, it's really bad for marine, yeah, marine life. Yeah, I didn't know that until we saw that article that the, the, the mean, filters break down. And get, it takes them forever the to break down too. Yeah. So you're, you know, even if the beach is cleaned and combed and things like that, there's still lots of little pieces around. So that's going to take effect in January of 2023. So no more secondhand smoke. Yeah, no that's great. We were very, butts. very happy about that. Because um, you know, when you go to the beach, you've got somebody near you, and you're there for several hours. And if every half hour somebody lights up a cigarette and you're downwind, you're getting it every irregular blast of stinky secondhand smoke. Right. right. And if you're setting up, if you're sitting on a towel, it's one thing you could pick up your towel and go. But when we go for the day, we do a canopy and we do pull our cooler and we pretty much set up camp. So we don't want to have to have to move our stuff. So I think I, I really think this is good. It's um, for people who smoke, of course, you'll have but to go find another interesting place. thing. It doesn't prohibit vaping. So it's tobacco only. So if you're somebody who does smoke and that's you're true. happy with vaping, you could still vape, which that, is, which is, cool. which is, to- that's yeah, true. which is fine. And vaping is much less invasive. So that's uh so if you're going to Miami beach and you smoke, you can just vape. That's true. So now clear air. Much clearer air for everyone. And especially, too, if you're taking your children to the beach, which is one of the the most cost-friendly things to do in Florida if you have a family. You just don't want to have to be dealing with that for the whole day. So Anyway, but moving on, we've got some travel tips. Yeah, so in this episode's Florida travel tips, um, the Tampa airport, and turns out other airports now, have rentals for baby gear. So if you've ever traveled with a, a baby or a toddler the gear can be overwhelming. You know, you've got, you probably have a car seat anyway, cause you brought, you drove to the airport, but strollers and uh, pack and plays and all the things you need when you have a baby on a trip can be a real pain in the neck to have to travel with. So um, several airports, Miami, Tampa, uh, they have delivered, they have places in the airports you can rent when you get there. So then you obviously just turn it back in when you go back to the airport to go home. So it saves mm-hmm. you having to lug all that stuff. There are some other places, there are services like Baby Quip, I looked this up obviously, and others that will deliver to the airport curbside or they'll deliver to your hotel. So if the uh, look online, Baby Quip looks like a good one. There's more than one out there that will deliver and bring you everything you can imagine uh, that you would need for a baby on a trip. So you don't have to bring all that with you. Right. Southwest Airlines, I believe has, um, they don't count a car seat as luggage. So you do get an extra you know, way yeah, to do that. But it is, it is difficult to, and you know, you never know too, if part of your luggage is going to get lost, that's going to be the one thing you actually need. Um, that's generally right. Murphy's like if that law. were a car seat, that's a big problem. You would mm-hmm. need to, to rent one before you could legally and safely drive your, your child. Exactly. So, but speaking of driving. Yeah. Speaking of driving. So here's a great tip. Um, I've, I've learned this over the years with, with travel is if you're going to rent a car, most most vacations, if you're flying somewhere, you're typically going to rent a car. So I've, I've been the the 
the best way to do this is whatever airline, sorry, whatever um, car rental company you're going to use, whether it's national or budget or Hertz, they have a like a members club that you join for no charge at all. It's free. National calls theirs their Emerald Club. Uh, Hertz is their Gold Club. And if you just sign up in advance, you put all your driver's license and credit card information and all that, you completely bypass the rental counter completely. You go right out to... Uh, to literally to a lane of cars and pick your car out yourself. You're not assigned one. You can walk around and pick cars out. And it's fun to like, oh, do I want the, the this car? Well, it's or, terrific too if you have your children with you and you say, this is the whole row. You guys get to pick yes. the color. Have a chat about it. Are you going to pick the red one or the green one or the, you know, this is a really, it's a fun chance um, to let your kids be interactive with it. And it's also a great chance to, Sometimes if you're upgrading to a car, your family's growing, renting a car is a great option for seeing how you like the car. Yeah, we I've recently rented a couple Toyota RAV4s and I was never a big fan of those until I got one. They're actually pretty nice little cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're 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 fun to drive around. And, and if you're looking at buying a car, Heather said you can it's a good chance to try one out. So you walk in there and there's a Nissan and there's a Toyota and there's a Honda or a Ford, you get a chance to test a car. There are a lot of pros and cons to renting at the airport versus going off-site to get it. We've done both. And especially if you're skipping the line, the airport is phenomenal getting it there. You're skipping the line. You're not taking a lot of time away from your vacation. Nobody wants to stand in line, you know, off-site. First, wait for some kind of Uber or Lyft or something like that to get you there or a shuttle bus or something like that. So if you can get it at the airport, you might pay a little bit more in taxes or fees, but you're paying, you're basically paying for the day. Every day you're on vacation and you want to get the most out of it. We've waited at times, you know, early, early days of uh, renting offsite. We would, it would be like an hour before we were like, really ready and on our way and we did this in miami we were downtown miami coming off a cruise and we went down to i think it was enterprise not that it matters that much we waited an hour to get a car and when you're trying to have a fun day and do something and you're sitting for an hour waiting for a car um it's no fun uh, i had the similar experience in montana on a trip a few years back so when heather says off-site she's referring to off-site being not at the airport mm-hmm. so there's typically mm-hmm. close by now if you're somebody who's trying to maximize every single dollar you can and you don't mind waiting a half hour, an extra hour to get a rental car to save maybe a hundred or two on the whole trip, then that's a good option and mm-hmm. that's your choice. We don't, but some of you out there might be like, hey, I don't mind an hour to get you know something that saves me the money for something else or whatever. That's a personal choice, obviously. One thing to check into as well is if you rent a car away from the airport and for some reason you're running late to return your car to the offsite spot you might pay a fee to return it to the airport, but you might need to because you might miss your flight if you don't. Right. So there are a lot of pros and cons, but I think the pros outweigh the cons for renting at the airport. Right. Yeah. For like for us, we would much, we mm-hmm. much rather go to the airport or if you're somewhere like we were in San Diego a few years ago and staying with some fa- family and we wanted to get a rental car, we just had them drop us at the airport, San Diego airport and mm-hmm. got a Ford Mustang convertible for three days, which was fun. Um, Next topic. Uh, this is almost October, so this is Oktoberfest season. Uh, if you're not familiar with Oktoberfest, it's a big annual event in Munich, Germany every year. It's a huge event. People come from all over the world. To Millions of people come from all over the world for Oktoberfest for beer and German food. Um, it actually starts in September. All across the U.S., there are Oktoberfest celebrations every October, and Florida is no exception. There's music, German food, beer, 
uh, all over the place. Um, it's also when the weather's starting to cool off. So the heat of the summer is generally diminishing. So it's a great chance to just enjoy some, some fall weather. Uh, there is a great website. Uh, the guy's his website's called the Florida Rambler that has a listing of all the Florida Oktoberfest events. And I'll put that link in the episode notes. So if you're, com- you're in Florida, you live in Florida, if you're going to be here in October and you like Oktoberfest events, check it out. Because every major and many minor cities have really nice looking Oktoberfest events. I think the best news about Oktoberfest is it doesn't have anything to do with pumpkin spice lattes. Oh, Heather. Yeah, Heather hates pumpkin. When they come out with the pumpkin spice lattes at, at Starbucks, Heather's skin, she just gets, it's not her, not her thing. So we started talking about overall planning and budget being the biggest factor. I heard somewhere once that a day at Disney for a family of five, you can estimate it being about $1,000, no. which, wow, that is a lot. So if you're looking for different vacations other than Disney, you know, we're the place to come. Yeah. 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 We'll talk to you we're, about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> so, yeah. So we're not anti-Disney. It's just that we're not, we're not um, pros. We, we, yeah. we don't it's go just, to Disney. It's, it's, it's not just thing. not our thing. Yeah. Um, Plenty of people do, and it's a great time. But if you're looking for a budget vacation, Universal and Disney is not it. It's expensive. It's expensive. So one of our one of the tips to look at the that we like to talk about is that okay, you're you're coming to Florida where you want to go. You may already know where you're going, that's fine. Um, but if for some people, like, hey, I just want to go to Florida. For the first time we travel with our kids to Florida, we're like, where are we gonna go? And we literally chose the flights Tampa because Southwest was up and rising and we could get cheaper flights for five people. That's a, that's a lot of money. One of the best things, the best tips is a lot of people don't know this, is that the panhandle is the opposite seasons of high and low from the rest of Florida. So from most of the rest of Florida, the summer's the slower season. The prices are cheaper because it's hot and rainy and humid. And um, and then the winter is the high season. The Panhandle is really a subsidiary of Alabama and Georgia. And it's really a very popular place for vacation for people that live in the southeastern U.S. for the summertime. So the winter... Um, is the low season in the panhandle. So if you're looking for a winter vacation, you'll pay a lot more in the main parts of Florida, a lot less on the panhandle. The panhandle, though, is not going to be like balmy and warm. You're going to get a little bit of, you know, 50s, maybe even 40 degree weather. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I mean, I always love a good walk on the beach in a sweatshirt. Yeah, in a sweatshirt, you know. Um, you know, I've seen times where the weather the difference in temperature between Pensacola and Miami can be as much as, as 15 degrees. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a long distance. If you're somebody who wants to come to the, come to Florida in the winter and have the best chance of wearing your bathing suit in the winter, go to South Florida. It's definitely mm-hmm. warmer in Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Naples, Fort Myers, uh, just because it's further South. I mean, and consistently yes. you, it's, it's very rare to be in Miami. Although it's really funny to see the, the residents of Miami, because when the weather hits, you know, 70, Everybody's freezing and wearing wearing parkas. Yeah, we were in uh, Miami once. I think the weather was forty five in the morning. We were coming out of our hotel, and we had on shorts and, and like long sleeve t shirts. And the the guys that the valets they had on thermal underwear and coats. And we were both making fun of each other because they couldn't believe that we couldn't believe they would dress up. They needed to dress up that much, and we you know they couldn't believe we were you know wearing shorts when they were freezing. It's just what they're what you're used to. It's kind of funny. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, about flying. So flying into Florida, you've got lots of places to choose from. Um, in general, Fort Lauderdale and Miami, because they're close together, has the best, tends to have the best rates and best prices for 
flying into Florida mm-hmm. in the wintertime, just because there's more airlines there. They compete. There's more competition. Tampa and Orlando are definitely more expensive, usually in the winter. Um, and, and even in the summer, I think they're more, uh, just because they're single airports. There's, you know, de- there's one destination there. Um, we did a trip years ago before we moved here where we needed to come down to in the, in this, in the winter, we flew to Fort Lauderdale, did some things in that area, got a rental car, drove across the Everglades up the coast to Tampa, which was a fun drive, especially if you've never driven through the Everglades, turned the car in there and flew home. It was cheap to fly home from Tampa back to when we lived in Maryland. Uh, but if we'd done it all to and from Tampa, it would have been two or three hundred more dollars. You do when you do that. And that's a fun thing to do too, is to do different airports. You do have to make sure your rental car see if they'll charge you. Sometimes they charge you a little. Sometimes they charge you a lot to drop off at a different airport. So be sure you look into that before you get an ex- expensive bill for that. Speaking of airports, too, don't necessarily look at Fort Lauderdale, Orlando, Miami, and Tampa. If you're coming from Knoxville, Tennessee, you can fly into a regional airport. Um, near St. Pete, Clearwater. So keep an eye on the the smaller yes. the smaller airlines you have. Um, Allegiant, is that, is that Yeah, correct? Allegiant flies to um, some of the – and then Breeze is a new airline mm-hmm. that's come up. There's some new airlines, and every every airline in the country flies to Florida. It's a huge destination. Mm-hmm. And then ones like Fort Myers is a great airport, Jacksonville. Uh, Pensacola is a small airport. It can be a little pricey a to get in there. It's a great little airport. What is it, Four Gates? Something like that seven. small seven gates, yeah, it's very. But but if the smaller the airport, like the Indiana easier it is. It was. It, if yeah, you want Indiana to feel Jones. like Indiana Jones, you can take silver, uh, a silver flight, which is perfectly adequate. Yeah, the silver flights. Heather does these to Pensacola somewhat regularly. There are their propeller, their prop planes, which to Heather's point that you get your Indiana Jones uh, going there. Uh, but it's one oftentimes the cheapest and easiest way to move around the state and go to the Bahamas. Uh, you can go to from you know Tampa to the Bahamas direct without having to go through Atlanta or Charlotte or something like that, one of the major hubs. So look at – and Silver is a, a subsidiary of United, I think, but mm-hmm. Silver Airways is a good way. And they have pink, pink planes. They do. Which is interesting. So one of the things that we've learned along the way is to avoid booking through a third party. We were taking a trip – actually, when we were moving down here, you had booked through Expedia. Mm-hmm. And we got to a hotel after driving eight hours, and they had no – no record of our of our reservation. So if if at all possible, always go directly through um, the hotel, the airline, you'll get the same price and you'll avoid like substantial confusion. Yes. And I, have, for some I, of those and I have had many times when I've been at, I used to stay from, we used to stay at Marriott's when we travel. Uh, we like the Marriott's plus we collect points, which we like. And many times I've seen people that are checking out or trying to change their reservation and the person at the desk at at the Marriott hotel who would normally be very helpful for them can't help them because they are, they signed, they did their whole booking through Expedia or Travelocity or whatever they did. And to get any changes, they have to go and call Expedia and call their call center somewhere um, and try to make arrangements. They can't deal with the hotel directly and the hotels will give you the same price. You're not really saving any money. We use those sites for a research, like, okay, I'm going somewhere. What's the best hotel rate? Then you go compare it and the hotels check that. So generally the hotels are going to be the same price. Um, and then if you have an issue, you're, it's much easier to get it resolved at the hotel than having to call, go off on the side and call the, th- the third party. Um, the exception, once we booked some flights through to Lufthansa to go to, to Europe, we used a uh, Expedia, I think, but that worked out fine, thankfully. But um, generally book direct with everything, but just use those other sites. They'll give you some 
small reward points. We don't think it's worth it for the aggravation. It's better to book with whoever you're going to go travel with or through. Um, speaking of, let's go back to flying for a second. Um, when you, one thing to consider when you're flying is consider what your baggage cost is going to be. Um, Southwest, so the discount carriers in the U.S., they have um, the different different baggage fees. Southwest is great because Southwest has, they give you two checked bags free. Of course, your carry-on bag is free, and they talk about that. You know, your baggage is free, but the rates are a little higher. Spirit and Frontier have really, really good rates, but they charge you for everything. Uh, they charge you for your not only your check bag, but they charge you for a carry-on bag. They charge you for picking a seat. If you look at the fare and what the fees are, it's not bad, but it definitely takes out takes the budget side of it away. Um, there are some cool tricks that you can do where they ha- allow a carry-on item of a certain size. I think it's 18 inches by something, something. Well, there's some clever luggage manufacturers who have who make bags that are that size. So if you need to tra- you want to travel light, like trip to Florida, you don't need a lot of heavy clothes or a lot of shoes. You can get maybe save some money and get away with. You can save some money and get away with taking on one of those personal sized uh, suitcases and they go right underneath the, the seat. That's, that's considered a, not considered a carry on. So you can save some money there. Uh, if you Google that, you'll find there's um, like, I'll put a link to one good one that I found. That's a really neat one. And we're going to buy one of those the next time we fly frontier or spirit. Um, Allegiant is a little smaller. There's this, uh, that they're, they're having even smaller restrictions. So you could carry something smaller. You may just want to pay the bag fee for Allegiant. And the other airlines typically charge about 30 or $40 for, um, for a bag, and if you just if it's not Southwest, you just build that into your cost. Like, okay, it's going to be the airfare plus thirty dollars. Generally, I think for most families and people who are traveling, budget is the biggest factor of where you go and what you're going to do. Yeah, if you look at places to be in Florida, if you've got kind of an open like we're not sure where we want to go specifically, consider traveling to the Panhandle in the winter time. That's the low season. So the bulk of the state of Florida is. The summer's the low season because it's rainy and hot and humid. And the winter, when the weather's spectacular, that's the prime time. That's when, but that's when the prices go up. Hotels get to be more expensive. The Panhandle is almost a different state, really. Uh, it's really kind of a beach area for the Southeast United States, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi. And for summer vacations, a lot of people go there. So the summer's the peak season there. So if you're coming for the winter, most people are. Consider the Panhandle, Pensacola, Destin. Fort Walton, the beaches there are spectacular. We did a whole episode recently on a trip to the Panhandle. Really, and I'll give you an example. We paid two sixty a night for our residence in Fort Walton in July, uh, plus taxes. It's a hundred dollars less in November, which is the exact opposite of what you would get in Miami Beach. You'd have a hundred and forty dollar hotel room in Miami Beach in the summer, summer and it'd be two forty or two eighty in the winter. So they're opposite. So consider the Panhandle. That's kind of a a great option. The Panhandle is you're going to maybe need a sweater and a pair of jeans. If you're there in this in there in the winter, because it does get a little colder. If you want a guaranteed warm spot, go as far south as you can yeah, and go to Miami. Go to Miami. Yeah, that's going to be your warmest place in the winter. So, yeah, some people like like us like a, a cool beach day, and some people like the warm warmest possible. They want to put a bathing suit on in January, possibly. Yeah, definitely go to South Florida. It's definitely the warmest down there because it's you know it's several hours north or south of each other. For the cheapest flight, speaking of South Florida, consider going to. South Florida to either the Fort Lauderdale or Miami airports. 
Um, they're because they're, we've mentioned this before. This is a thing we found out and we've seen, we used to travel from when we lived in Maryland to, to Miami beach a fair bit. And many times we would get some really inexpensive flights to either airport, depending on whichever was a better deal, better flights. And, uh, you know, they're, because they're so close together, uh, the, the airlines compete with, you've got two airports competing with each other or the airlines competing with their routes. So you can get some good prices, certainly better than Tampa or Orlando, um, in the winter for sure. And sometimes in the summer too. So look at those rates. Um, Miami Beach can be an expensive place, so look at hotel rates. Look around. Um, you know, you you might pay for your vacation. You know, by saving, and you can stay in Miami Beach or whatever. Just consider that um, it is a nice place, though, and you don't need a rental car in Miami Beach most of the time, depending on where you're going. So that can save you some money as well. We've actually all have done an adventure before and just taken the bus from the airport, carried a bag on. Hopped on a bus and gone all the way down to Miami Beach for about four dollars. Yeah, there's an ex- that's so it's a kind cool of a tip. fun people watching. There's an express things. bus from the Miami Airport to somewhere in South Beach, and then it's two dollars a person instead of thirty five or forty for a taxi, which is a fixed price. Yeah, so you're you know we're fun. having fun, saving money, right? Yeah. Uh, just a movie quote. Um, so speaking of uh, flying, pay attention to especially if you're not from the United States, you're coming here. Pay attention to what the bag fees look like. Um, Southwest is one of the discount carriers. They have the best policy. So you can have two check bags for free. Spirit and Frontier, on the other hand, are also discount carriers, and they charge for everything. They charge for a check bag. They charge for a carry-on. They charge uh, for reserving a seat. They kind of bundle that into their pricing model. So you might look at a flight and go, oh, it's $79, but then you add a seventy-nine or $70 worth of fees. Now it's $160, which still isn't bad, but be aware of it. One of the ways you can beat the system there is you can get a smaller suitcase, what they call a uh, personal item size, which is a small, like an 18-inch carry-on. If it goes and fits under the seat in front of you, that's considered a personal item and not a, not a carry-on bag. So you can save money there. And a couple trips, you could pay for the bag, which is about $100. So mm-hmm. we've got one bag that we're going to pick up, we think. I did some research on this. I'll put that link to that um, in the show notes. It's a nice little $100 bag that has removable wheels and some cool things. But I'll put that in there if anybody wants to look at that. Uh, but definitely pay attention to your, your bag fees. Allegiant is even more strict. So if you're flying Allegiant, really pay attention to that. But factor that in uh, when you're looking at your rates. And also, don't be... Um only going and looking at the international airports. Um, there are some regional airports that come, you know, if you're in Knoxville, for instance, you can get a flight from Knoxville to Clearwater St. Pete Airport, which is more of a regional airport. So keep an eye on those as well. Yeah. And you can fly into places like the airport at Fort Myers, which is the Southwest Florida airport, I think. Then some of the small ones um, are Peck Pensacola. They're very easy to get in and out of. And you have fewer flight delays just because there's fewer flights there to have delays. So sometimes the prices are, are higher there, sometimes lower. So definitely take a look at those other other hotels. One of the things we don't like to do, we avoid booking with a third-party travel site like Expedia, Travelocity, Hotels.com, Booking.com. You can use those sites to your benefit and check on fares and, you know, organizing your vacation. But we've not had great experiences with those. We've, we've, when we were traveling, well, actually, when we were moving down to Florida, we had an Expedia room you know, halfway at a, at down a Marriott. And, at a Marriott and it, they had no red, they had no record of yeah, it. We got there and there was no room and they us. were full. So they were wonderful and they helped us find another place. But you know, if you're traveling and you're starting on vacation, that's the last thing that you want to do. They'll try to offer you reward points and things like that, but you have to go, even if you have a problem at the hotel, the hotel really can't help you if you've booked through a third party site. So stick to as much direct communication with 
your hotel or yeah, your uh, rental car Marriott.com, Hilton.com, National Car, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've been in hotels and people are checking out or they're trying to change a reservation because they booked through a third party. The hotel can't help them. They're frustrated, but you you dealt with Expedia, not Marriott. You've got to go back to Expedia, which is a real, a real pain. And if you see a difference in price, call the hotel chain. They'll usually match it if it's a legitimate source like, like Expedia. But typically, they keep up with it. I haven't seen a difference in price in, in years. Uh, so we generally avoid, we avoid those. Speaking of cheap cars, <laughs> cheap rental cars, uh, if you're a Costco member, a lot of us in the United States are, they have a, um, a travel benefit, the Costco travel portal, and you can get some great prices on rental cars uh, through them, and you can book them. They're typically enterprise and budget, and those. so if you're a Costco member, check that out. That's one of the best, cheapest ways to get a rental car reserved in advance. One of the things that we find is most cost-saving item on our vacation is, of course, food. Don't eat every meal out. Um, take a look at some of the best places for groceries, places that you're familiar with from your home. Um, Clark mentioned Costco, Costco, BJ's, any of the big big box stores. We do have an excellent grocery store in Florida that's called Publix. They do terrific buy one, get one free their sales run from Thursday to Thursday. So you can um, get the app and you can look at what items are on, on sale. Lots of snacks, lots of things that you might be able to use in your room um, while you're on vacation. One thing that we recommend is looking for a residence in. Marriott has a residence in. There's Extended Stay America. Of course, you can consider using an Airbnb or Verbo. For homes, they're always going to be bigger than a hotel room. They'll have a full kitchen, all of those different things. Pay attention for cleaning fees on your Airbnb or Verbo. You know, they can be as much as $300 um, before you leave, as well as extended stay hotels are intended for business travelers, but you can really find great rates. Look for a suite, possibly, that you have a kitchen area. You have an eating area for your kids. There's a sitting area, you know, just in case you end up with a rainy afternoon or something like that. Yeah. One nice thing too, with Airbnb, we've used it before on travel. If you've got a large family uh, where you maybe say, Hey, I got to get two hotel rooms. If you get an Airbnb, you're going to save money. If you're with multiple families, say on a vacation, which a lot of people do that, uh, you're splitting up, you know, you're taking a $4,000 rental for the week and splitting it among three families. And the per night cost gets to be about $100 mm-hmm. a night for a beach vacation. That's pretty great. So consider that too. And Verbo and Airbnb are both reputable. If you're not familiar with those, you can use those. Those are good companies. One of the things you can do too is take your own food and drink to the beach. We talked about Publix Market. They have sub sandwiches. They have chicken tenders. They have salads. Great you know, salad bar. Lots of things that you can do to eliminate having to buy snacks at a beach, you know, a beach shack or something like that. Yeah. If you want to take uh, drinks to the beach, generally some beaches prohibit alcohol, which is sort of just excuse to kick you out. If there's someone out that's having way too much, some beaches actually allow it. You can, you can Google that and see where that is. Um, if you're speaking of beer and wine, if you, you like to get those things, you can get those in Florida, any grocery store, 
Um, sometimes they'll have a BOGO at Publix, one of the buy one, get ones at Publix, so you can take advantage of that. Um, definitely, on Aldi also has very good wine at, at very reasonable prices. Um, if you're buying liquor, definitely the cheapest place is Total Wine and More, which is a chain most people know about in the United States, and there's plenty of them around the state. They definitely have the best prices and the best selection. And I failed to mention that you can buy beer and wine in grocery stores um, the only limitation is that you can't buy it on a Sunday morning before 1130, which is hardly an issue. <laughs> right. You just have just for planning if you go in for the day early in the day to get out to the beach or take a lunch. But, you know, you can even you can buy a, a cooler bag or you can get a backpack cooler, throw it in your suitcase and take take your drinks, take your food to the beach if that's a meal you want to um, not eat out. Of course, I, I did not mention that. Most of the Marriott's and the extended stay hotels have complimentary breakfast. So, you know, you can send half of your family down to get breakfast and have a cup of coffee and and really eliminate that being a second stop in the morning before you have to get out to the beach. Yeah. And those ho- the hotels that do that, and some of the Hiltons do that, too. You've got you know, eggs, oatmeal, something for everybody, chill, mm-hmm. fruit, you know, all kinds of things, a cereal for the kids. So that's always a great way to, to save some money. Um, when you're speaking of, of uh, booking a hotel, when you're booking, especially in South Florida, pay attention for uh, when you look at the listing for parking charges and resort fees. The resort fees are typically something they charge for things that you get at the resort, like, um, you know, uh, lounge chair umbrellas, um, maybe a, a couple of cocktails. We've had those before. Um, if you're going to use those things, it can be good and save money because you don't have to go buy chairs or rent chairs or go rent a bike to ride around or whatever the case is. If you're not going to use those things, that $30 a day, which is typical for a resort fee, is really just wasted money. Similarly, look at uh, the parking fees because like on Marriott.com, they always list that. I think people look over that. Um, some places you can get you know a $10 a day parking on site, which is reasonable. And you're not going to be able to avoid that anyway. But some places are 30 or $35 a night, and it's mandatory valet parking. So if you take a resort fee and valet parking, you could spend 60 or $70 a day extra, which is, okay, part of it. But be aware that those costs are there. I think I've seen people checking in or out of hotels, and they're dumbfounded that there are resort fees and parking. And they're annoyed that it's a $60 day charge. But, you know, look at the details when you make the booking. Right. I mean, the beach is probably your least expensive option for entertainment. Yeah, no but doubt. If you have to, but if you have to buy an umbrella, you have to buy chairs, you have to do those things, and then you're just leaving them here. You know, yeah, it, that's resort, a way. So definitely take advantage deal. of the resort. I mean, the resort fee will allow you to use their health, you know, their health club or their workout room, the swimming pool. Sometimes there's Which a happy love, hour in the evening for the adults. All of those different things. Um, and when I say get an umbrella, you can rent an umbrella on the beach. Usually, usually, mm-hmm. but if you if you aren't going to a beach that there are rentals, get an umbrella. Get even just an inexpensive umbrella because Florida sun is hot. We're you know we're working our way down towards the equator here, so regular just reapplying sunscreen all day, you are going to get gonna, sunburned. We, so we were really just at Panama City and saw a lot of sunburned people walking around and. For a lot of people, even sunscreening all day with it washing off and being in the water, you're still going to get sunburned, and nobody really wants wants to do that or have that hap- uh, have that happen happen. Uh, one of our favorite uh, ideas around saving money is if you're in Tampa or Orlando, there are there is a thing called a city pass, 
Uh, we did these in New York City. Lots of U.S. cities that are popular tourist destinations have it. But it's basically a pre-priced, discounted bundle for the most popular activities in an area. Orlando, that's uh, you can save a little money on uh, Orlando or Disney with it. Tampa is a really good deal because you can do all the things basically that are good to do in Tampa for about half price, and it's good for nine days. So that covers you know an entire week of vacation plus the weekends on either side. So Bush Gardens and all that sort of thing is in there. And I'll put a link to those in uh, the show notes. If you're coming to Orlando or Tampa, there's a great website called Date Night Guides. If you're not coming necessarily with um, your whole family, it's a free guide with 50 free activities in Tampa. And there's probably 75 in Orlando. It's about date spots, but a lot of it is, you know, it is good for families too. Yeah, it's intended for couples. Well, the one for Tampa, we live in Tampa, is terrific. I, I get ideas that things I didn't know about, but some of it's is not you know for couples specifically. It's uh, it's good for singles or families. So there's, there's a great link there, and there's a lot of good free items in there too. So wrapping up the episode, uh, thanks for joining us this episode. Next episode, we're going to talk about moving to Florida, which we did, which we done. We'll tell our story why we moved to Florida, what our experience was like. Uh, there's record numbers of people moving here now. So that's how we'll discuss that too and what that's done to real estate prices and other factors. Uh, check us out on our YouTube channel, Florida Travel Fanatics, on our website, floridatravelfanatics.com. We've got some cool uh, wallpapers and things you can download. Um, do us a favor, if you would, to help help support our, our podcast is leave a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps boost our, our ratings. And if you're enjoying this, uh, please tell your friends. Spread the word. Uh, we like to share all this with everybody and hope you'll share it with your friends too. And even though we're going into a hurricane, I believe that there's still sunny days ahead. That's great. See you next time. Yeah.